Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast with Aaron Holt, Functional Nutritionist. I work with clients on the seacoast of New Hampshire and virtually all over the world through both private consultations and online nutrition programs. I'm here with my co-host, Kyle Mayorana, registered dietitian of Root Down Nutrition based in Asheville, North Carolina. We are both board-certified integrative and functional nutritionists. This means we dive deep with people to get to the root cause of their health issues. In this podcast, we will address all things health, food, and nutrition, discussing our research, clinical experience, and life experience. Please keep in mind our disclaimer, this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or medical treatment. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Hey guys, Erin here. I have an awesome interview lined up for you today. I've got thyroid expert Dr. Becky Campbell on the show. A couple of funny things that I want to point out. One is that I kept pronouncing the silent P in her name every single time I said her name out loud. I was a little bit nervous because I've fangirled her for so long that when I interviewed her, I just like lost my damn mind. The other thing is she had just brought home a puppy and the puppy was chewing up her furniture during the interview. So you can hear, (laughs) you can hear her call out to the puppy a couple of times. So get a chuckle or two in when you hear those moments, those like weird moments during my show. One announcement is that my carb compatibility project starts August 5th. So if you follow me on Instagram at Aaron Holt Health, you may have heard me earlier this week talk about the connection between blood sugar regulation and thyroid function. So we need a really good handle on blood sugar if we want optimal thyroid function, if we want good, healthy thyroid function. And you can head over to my Instagram to learn more about that. I saved it in my highlights. I'm doing these little class in session things where I talk, I go into in depth into a certain com- uh, a certain topic. Now, obviously this podcast is more long form content. These are just like little digestible bite-sized pieces of information So you can scroll through those and learn a little bit more about that. But if you're listening to the show and you're thinking that some of this stuff sounds familiar, like maybe you've got some thyroid dysfunction going on and you want to try a food first approach, the Carb Compatibility Project is a really, really great idea for you. It helps to regulate blood sugar. It's really supportive of liver health, which Dr. Becky will talk about on today's show. um, It's super nutrient nutrient rich that's going to give you all of the requisite nutrients that you need for your thyroid. So consider signing up for that. Again, we start August 5th. Now let's get into the show. Benny. All right, guys, we are back. And today's show is all about the thyroid because you're always asking me about the thyroid. So fortunately, we have somebody awesome on the show, Dr. Becky Campbell. And um, we're just going to do like good old fashioned call and response. So I'm going to ask her all the things about the thyroid and she's going to shed some knowledge on the thyroid for us. So Dr. Becky is a board certified doctor of natural medicine with expertise in functional medicine and clinical nutrition. She's the founder of the pop- popular blog, drbeckycampbell.com and has been featured on Mind Body Green and Cure Joy. Dr. Campbell works virtually with patients all over the world and lives in Palm City, 
Florida. So I just read that bio directly from her book, The 30-Day Thyroid Reset Plan, which is a book that I absolutely love and highly recommend. And here's exactly why. A lot of the books out there about thyroid um, and thyroid health and hormonal health are pretty high level. And as a practitioner or as somebody with a degree in science, that's cool. But as somebody who is sick and struggling, not so great. Um, if you think about somebody with hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's, common symptoms are usually brain fog, fatigue, um, or even in that postpartum period when thyroid stuff can flare up, you're just so exhausted. The last thing that you want to do is pick through a really dense, intense book. Um, and I actually didn't realize this was the case until a recent client of mine, she had been diagnosed with Hashimoto's. So she went on Amazon and ordered like all the Hashimoto's books and was like, I can't get through any of them. Um, so I just want to let you guys know that this book is written for anybody and everybody. It delivers really, really good necessary information very clearly. It maps out a very straightforward 30-day plan. It's so well done and it's pretty to look at too. So it's a useful tool to anybody who's struggling or wants to learn a little bit more about the thyroid. So Dr. Campbell, thank you so much for writing this book because I think there was a need for something exactly like this. Thanks for saying that because that was my exact purpose of this book. I personally, even as a practitioner, start daydreaming if something's just boring and really long and um, I need visual. You know, I'm very, uh, I have a short attention span. So I wanted to put pictures and infographics and graphics that you can kind of just get the point without reading all of this really long information to kind of get to the main points that you need. So I'm glad to hear you say that. Yeah, it's basically like scrolling through Pinterest. And you have like mm -hmm. so many awesome recipes and just good, good, solid information. So I'd love to hear, I feel like most practitioners who are in this space tend to have their own health journey yep. <laughs> that they've been, uh, the path that they've gone down. So I'd love to hear more about yours and why did you decide to work, you know, to focus your work specifically on thyroid health? Yeah, so um, I was, you know, I, I can't say I was a kid who never had any issues. I think I, I always had some stuff that was a little off. Like I used to pass out in the heat really easily. I used to get hives when I was little, like stuff that was kind of abnormal. I was a little tired. But besides that, um, when I was in college and I was really under an enormous amount of stress with my workload, I gained 30 pounds out of nowhere, and I never had an issue with weight before. And I was so tired that I couldn't even keep my eyes open. I would literally sleep at every stoplight. Um, you know, any time I could close my eyes, if I was like, I could just get two minutes, I would feel <laughs> like I could get through the next hour. And <clears throat> then I started to lose a lot of hair. Um, which was abnormal for me. Just things were more off than ever before, and it seemed kind of sudden. So I went to the doctor, and they did a very basic lab um, blood panel and found nothing in, in their eyes, at least, um, and then sent me kind of to all different doctors depending on where in my body I was having an issue. So if I was bloated, it was the gastroenterologist. My hair was falling out. It was the dermatologist. And basically everyone just came back with, you're fine. Because I had no, you know, glaring path pathology issue. 
So I finally found a holistic medical center. You know, functional medicine wasn't really the, the word being thrown around much back then, but it was, you know, a place where it was all naturopathic doctors um, doing more natural stuff. And they ran a really detailed thyroid panel on me and found out that I did have hypothyroidism and really, really low T3, which is our active form of thyroid hormone, and which was one of the reasons I was so tired. Um, but in addition to that, they looked at other things too. They looked at my adrenals, which is, you know, secrete our hormones like cortisol, which is our stress hormone. And being under a lot of stress, my cortisol was really high and that was making me gain a lot of weight in addition to the thyroid issue. And I also had some stuff going on in my gut like candida and parasites. And I really had no idea that any of this was what even this stuff was, you know, And so doing that and then putting me on a specific diet, you know, taking me off gluten, um, paleo wasn't around back then, but it was more like a paleo type of diet. I drastically got better. And so then I knew this is what I had to do and I had to help other people. And I had to go on medication. I went on armor for a little while. And then my body got so good that I actually was able to get off of it. And then I had gone on it another time after one of my kids. But for the most part, I've stayed off of it. Um, but I do want to get more into that later because I, I like people to know that it like there's no shame in taking thyroid medication. But so I do work with mostly thyroid patients. I work with a lot of other stuff. But I think because of my story, people have gravitated towards me with thyroid issues and then this is what led me to write the book. Awesome. And I, you just, I feel like you're so much more invested too when you go through a, yeah. an experience in your own body. You're like, I'm going to do all the research and find out all the information yeah. because it's your body. So it, I, I love that. Um, you had mentioned thyroid testing and not really coming up with a lot of answers, um, doing kind of straightforward thyroid testing. We've talked a lot about that on the show before and why you have to move beyond just testing TSH yeah. and T4. So exactly. what are the markers that you specifically look for when you're testing the thyroid? If somebody was listening to this and they wanted a full thyroid panel, what should they do? Yeah. So I look at TSH, T4 free and total, T3 free and total, and reverse T3. And then the, the antibodies to the thyroid. And this is um, all going to be given to you guys in a guide. We'll put every marker to ask your doctor to test you for, what the ranges should be, and what those lab values actually mean. But the, the one thing is that the conventional medicine lab ranges are very different than the functional medicine lab ranges. So even if you're getting a full thyroid panel and you're, they're looking at it with the conventional medicine ranges, which are really, really wide, it can still be missed. So I think you definitely need a full thyroid panel. You can have normal TSH and normal T4 and T3 and have Hashimoto's, which is the autoimmune disease where your body's attacking itself with the thyroid gland. And so I test on everybody right away because if you catch that early – you can catch it before it starts such destruction of the tissue where your your thyroid hormones are going low. And typically, unfortunately, people are waiting to be tested for that way too late and they've had so much destruction to their thyroid already. So you're saying that you can catch those elevated antibodies early and do some intervention before it becomes an actual issue of the thyroid gland. Yep. Yeah. You can make it so where it never depletes your thyroid hormones. I mean, 
like I said, unfortunately, most people are diagnosed way past that point. But the reason that I test on everybody early is because there's so many people who have the antibodies and have no idea. Even they don't have an idea that they have a thyroid issue at all. Some people are asymptomatic at that point. Unbelievable. Um, what do you what do you consider? I feel like there's no real straightforward answer out there. But what do you consider diagnostic criteria for Hashimoto's? Because most people are are just kind of saying, well, it's the presence of elevated antibodies, TPO antibodies. But like, mm -hmm. how high do they have to be before you say, huh, there's something going on here? Any the the lab or only lab ranges I think are universal are the antibodies where everyone kind of there's not really like a functional medicine lab range value versus a conventional. Um, so anything out of the range for either of the thyroid antibodies, I consider something to look look at. You know, okay, this is either Hashimoto's or it's something going on with the immune system. Um, so typically, you know, some people say it's only TPO antibodies, but I always look at the thyroid globulin antibodies too. Do you tend to see that I've never seen uh, thyroglobulin antibodies elevated? I mean, I've seen a lot of TPO, but do you, do you tend to see a lot more TPO in your practice? I see them both elevated all the time. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I almost always see them together, but I have seen just TPO also. Huh. And I've seen just thyroglobulin also. And... And I actually had a patient who had thyroid cancer and her thyroglobulin antibodies were really high and her TPO antibodies were normal. Wow. So I always look at both. Yeah, it's really important to get both, clearly. All right. So let's dive into like, let's say you do get a thyroid panel done and you receive a diagnosis either for hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's. What do you think is the first place to start? Do you have people start with low-hanging fruit, like diet and lifestyle? It seems like that made a pretty profound difference for you yeah. in your health journey. Or do you like to go right into functional testing to look for different triggers and root causes? So if I'm working with someone one-on-one, -on -one, I start them right away on a diet and liver support always because the liver to me is the most important organ for balancing hormones. So I start them with that while I'm doing their testing. So I always look at the gut. I always look at the adrenals. I always look at sex hormones. Um, th that I actually do on one test together, not a blood panel. And then if I think that they need to be looking at like viruses and heavy metals, I will. But uh, sometimes I just start with the gut and the adrenals. And so typically what the whole purpose of why I did this book is because I see the greatest change in people in the first four weeks. So what I wanted to do was make, put exactly what I do in the first four weeks into the book. And then if people still needed more help, then a lot of people will start working with me and we'll start doing testing. But it was for people who, you know, maybe you can't, you can't afford to, you know, you can't afford to work with someone and pay for the testing. So, but if, when they're my patient, I start them with that same plan in the book a certain, some certain supplements, you know, thyroid supporting supplements, liver support. Um, I do a little glutathione cream actually right over the thyroid gland. And I find that really is helpful with um, decreasing inflammation in that area. And then I start doing like a stool test, a SIBO test, which is small intestine bacteria overgrowth and the Dutch test. 
Okay, awesome. Um, I definitely want to talk about some of those triggers, circle back around to those. Yeah. But before we even get there, um, I'd love to hear – so th- th- your diet um, – is completely outlined in the book. So people can go get that if they want more details. But the one thing I want to nail down with you is your thoughts on gluten and Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's a lot of controversy around this. Personally, I don't understand why because I think the medical research is pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you, is this something you take a hard stance on? I feel yeah. like I'm always the bad guy when I tell people like you have to give up gluten I'm sorry yeah you <laughs> but do. it's like do you want to get better um but then right. there's a lot of other practitioners that completely disagree with that well the, there's also a lot of other practitioners that aren't getting people better too and point. um I will not work with someone if they won't give up gluten because that's how important I think it is and I people never believe me like how easy it is I have the best patients in the world they really don't question me or get upset about it because I give them so many resources on how to easily eat gluten-free without eating junk because there's there's a really bad way to eat gluten-free too. Um, but I really, this is, I mean, I, I talked to them for 30, 45, 60 minutes, however long, and I'm saying, get this, get this, get that. This is going to replace this. Like whatever we need to do to make it work for them is what we do because it's that important. I mean, your body literally mistakens your thyroid tissue for gluten and attacks yourself with the thyroid gland when you eat gluten a lot of the time. And gluten can cause leaky gut. And leaky gut is a huge trigger for autoimmune disease. So it's really, really important. And honestly, if you know what I want people to do is eat whole foods. There isn't gluten in whole foods. So You don't have to even read labels and do all that kind of stuff for the most part if you're eating whole foods. And honestly, and I'm sure you see this too, like the difference in how you feel, it's worth it. If I were to eat gluten right now, I'd feel terrible. So it's so unbelievable and how quickly people, not everybody, not everybody, but sometimes just taking gluten out is like the... It's just like the ticket to make them feel better. And I find that those are the people that are more, a little bit more compliant um, and don't feel like it's such a sacrifice. And I think people, there's a little bit of a misconception because I think people are like, I eat the gluten and then I get the tummy ache, right? And like, Mm -hmm. that's not how food sensitivities always present themselves. But a lot, I hear that, well, like I'm fine with gluten. I'm fine with dairy. I'm fine. Except for I'm exhausted. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, right. I'm I'm inflamed. You're not fine. You're you're not fine. (laughs) No, I know. Well, this is the thing. This is something so, so important. If you have five things that are contributing to your thyroid disease and gluten is only one of them and you take out gluten and you don't notice a difference, you got to address the other things. It doesn't mean that the taking out gluten wasn't important. It just means it was only one piece of the puzzle. So if you can address all the th- everything and then someone really feels good, then when, if they try eating gluten, they're going to notice. So some people notice just from removing it and some people have to work on some other stuff too to notice like how really impactful removing gluten is. But I always encourage people, don't stop you know, taking gluten on your diet just because you didn't notice anything. It's still, it's still a very important thing to do. That's a good point. Um, and I think there's just so much information out there and bloggers and Instagram and all of that, that a lot of people put themselves on these restrictive elimination diets without realizing that if there's 
a big underlying infection, let's say like, I don't know, uh, like blastos in the gut or something going on, like just removing food isn't going to address that. So that kind of brings us to the next point there. You outline in your book, seven common triggers of Hashimoto's. So can you talk a little bit about those? Do you see one more frequently, more frequently, frequently than the (laughs) other? Or like, what, what are you seeing? It's always, I mean, I can say that I've worked with thousands of people at this point and almost all of them have an issue with their gut. So if I were to pick one thing that they all have in common, it would be some type of bacterial overgrowth or yeast or parasites, you know, something like that going on in the gut. Um, And especially since about 90% of thyroid issues are autoimmune and the immune system is in the gut. That's one of the reasons it's so important to check the gut when you have any type of autoimmune disease. So definitely, definitely the gut is is the key. And I almost always, you know, do what we talked about with the first four weeks and then move right into working on healing the gut. And that's when people really, I mean, everything just kind of changes for them. And a lot of people are like, gosh, I didn't realize how bad I felt before, you know? Yeah. Um, but having a healthy gut is important for 7 million reasons, but the thyroid is one of them. You had talked, um, you said the first things you start people off are diet and liver support. Can you mm-hmm. talk about the connection between the thyroid and the liver? And, you know, what's the difference between doing like a, you know, 21 day liver cleanse versus supporting the liver every day on an ongoing basis? Do you have a preference for one or the other? Um, I am not an, you know, I have a hard time myself following anything extreme. So, you know, I know of another doctor I'm actually friends with who has like a liver program and it's, I think maybe is 21 days. But you're eating once a day and you're doing um, like liquid the other time. I personally couldn't oh my God, I'm do that. Dead, just thinking yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. So like that's not really my style. I'm more of a let's just do ongoing liver support because the liver is what flushes out our toxins in the body. It's what helps regulate our blood sugar, and it's what you know helps balance our hormones. So. It's all tied together, and I think everyone's starting to really realize how important the liver is. And if our, if we're, let's say we're killing bugs in the gut, and our liver detox pathways aren't open, we're going to be kind of screwed. So you're just going to be circulating all these um, <laughs> bad pathogens around the body if there's no way out. So I think you know getting you regular going to the bathroom yeah. and getting your liver really effective at pushing toxins out is really important. Yeah, that's that's a good point. The the constipation piece is huge and you know, mm-hmm. particularly in hypothyroidism just yeah. because, you know, motility decreases. And if you're going to go through this big um, detoxification or kill protocol in the gut, you have to you have to make sure that you're able to actually clear those things out. Exactly. Because so that's when piece. people get real sick, when they're not going to the bathroom or they're not supporting their liver or they're moving heavy metals around and they're just moving everything around and it's not getting out. That's, that's when you can see people who have a real, real strong reaction to any type of um, antimicrobial or um, chelative type of protocol. 
So it's it seems like it's really important to support those systems first before yeah. going in with. That's a why I always start with it, and then depending on what I see on their testing, like let's say I'm looking at their Dutch test, and they're really estrogen dominant, I'm going to keep you on liver support for a long time because you're clearly not clearing estrogen the way that you should be. All right, so that's a cool point to to talk about. The body is, you know, you're mentioning basically like all facets of the body when we're talking about the thyroid, but the body really is this intricate web. And that's especially true when we start to think about hormones. I think conventional medicine looks at so many things in isolation and doesn't really give credence to the fact that everything is so interconnected. So Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about the interplay between sex hormones and thyroid? So the the Dutch test that you're talking about looks at stress hormones. It also looks at sex hormones. So why is that so important when we're talking about the thyroid? Well, they all kind of um, work together. You know what I mean? So if you're, um, let's say your estrogen's really high, that's going to, estrogen makes the thyroid cells more visible to the immune system. So the more estrogen you have, the more your body is going to attack itself with the thyroid gland if you have Hashimoto's. So, and then the same thing with the, you know, cortisol, it's, they all run on the same axis. So if you're having an issue with one of those places, the adrenals or the thyroid, they're really going to affect what's going on with the other. So that's why it's not just taking thyroid medication. It's okay, take thyroid medication if you need it. Also, let's support your adrenals. Let's make sure your hormone levels are balanced, sex hormone levels are balanced. And again, supporting the liver so that everything can start to balance out and work together. It's They all play off of each other. Okay. That is, that's an important thing to, to drive home. All right, so we're talking about all of these different triggers that could potentially um, jack up the immune system, right, and, and, and trigger Hashimoto's. What other, what other things are you seeing? Um, I know you had talked about chronic infections in your book. Mm-hmm. I think we're hearing a lot about EBV lately, yeah. or Epstein-Barr, especially with the medical <laughs> medium. Yeah. Um, and that's a known trigger for Hashimoto's. Uh, is that something that you're seeing? I've heard that up to 90% of people have been exposed to Epstein-Barr. So yeah. I guess, how would you know if this is an active thing for you, if this is one of your triggers? It's very hard to get a test that will let you know that. What I do is I test the early antigen Epstein-Barr, and then I also do the IgG and IgM. And I very rarely even see IgM is more of like a newer infection. So if you see someone with elevated IgM for their Epstein-Barr virus, you know that they're actively having this virus. Because the, the virus, you always have it, but it can lie dormant, and then it can kind of flare up. So... I think a good rule is if they don't have um, high IgM antibodies, but their IgGs are three times or more over the lab range, which I see them in the 600s all the time. You think the lab range goes up to like, what, 30 or something? That's high. Yeah. Then I know that that it's active. And the GI MAP test, which is the stool test I use, it also detects Epstein-Barr virus. So it's really cool. And it's it's a current virus. So that's, I actually recently, over the last maybe six months, switched to that um, stool test because it's so thorough. That's what I was actually just going to ask you about. If you use that test and if you see Epstein-Barr show up on that test. I do, but I don't see it a lot. 
but I actually just had one yesterday. <laughs> okay, so I, I've only seen it once, and I was yeah. like, oh, so do you think that, that if there's an active Epstein-Barr in the gut, that that is, do you address that the same way that you would address a systemic Epstein-Barr virus? So the way I work with Epstein-Barr is I feel like the way that I'm working with the gut, so let's say someone has Candida, SIBO, and Epstein-Barr. I'm going to work on the gut first because antimicrobials, which is what I use, are antiviral as well, a lot of them. So first, a lot of people will do just that, and then their Epstein-Barr will kind of go back into remission. If it doesn't, then I'll do a stronger Epstein-Barr. I have like a specific Epstein-Barr protocol that I use. But I don't have to do that a lot because I notice just fixing the gut and giving those antimicrobials, which are systemically kind of just working on like any type of um, bacterial or viral problem, it, it's really, really helpful for getting kind of everything. If you had, let's say you could only run one test on somebody that came to you with Hashimoto's, um, whether it's a stool test, GI map, uh, Dutch test, looking at hormones, uh, SIBO breath test, what would it, would the one thing be? Like, I what would do, you do the stool. Yeah. yeah. GI map. Yeah. Mm -hmm. By far. Now, um, you had talked a little bit about the adrenals and cortisol and in your book, you have a, a cortisol test to, to have people kind of deduce for themselves. Is this a problem? Um, do you typically go off of symptoms for that? No. Or yeah. Yeah. I just like, you know, when you're writing a book, you try to think of ways to help people figure stuff out um, without buying a test, you know? Sure. And yeah. I do have on my intake, I have um, a, a metabolic assessment form. I have everyone fill out. And the questions that I put in there tend to be people who are higher cortisol. And then there's other questions that are tend to be people that are lower cortisol, but I don't ever go subjectively based. I look at the test and then that's how I make your protocol. And do you find that supporting um, the adrenal glands and supporting cortisol regulation has a dramatic impact on thyroid health? I do. And honestly, it's not just through supplementation. It's If I could say one thing you should do for your adrenals, I would say meditation is probably the one most effective thing. Um, you know, learning how to perceive things differently and working on your brain body reaction to stress. I think that you, you can lower cortisol or if you're already in adrenal fatigue, you can, you know, normalize cortisol, um, really well through teaching your body how to calm down and respond to things differently. I'm so glad you brought that up, especially now when adaptogens are like, I mean, most, they're kind of like a household name. Like most mm -hmm. people at this point know what an adaptogen is. And one thing that I always try to get across is like, yeah, they can be really supportive and helpful, but you can't out adaptogen a stressful life. And no, you, know, you can't. You, you can't have a job you hate and a spouse that you're fighting with every day and take adaptogens and you're fine. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's just a pill for every ill. It's the same conventional medicine right. model that we've all been trained and conditioned to buy into, but it, it's just not how it works. So no. I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. And that's why I talk about in the book, what type of exercise you should be doing, what you should be doing for sleep, what you should be doing for meditation. It's so much about all that stuff 
And yes, supplements are very helpful, but if supplements aren't going to fix everything if none of those other things are in place. Yeah, I was just having a, she's, I hope she listens to the show because she'll get a chuckle out of this uh, uh, conversation with a client yesterday who does have Hashimoto's and we found some gnarly things in her gut, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, listen, we can do all the intervention in the world and we can throw all the supplements and you can spend like $500 on supplements, but like you got to eat a vegetable, you know, mm -hmm. like you gotta, you gotta sleep. You gotta, you just gotta exactly. do the basic stuff. If I could pick one way or the other to do it, I would say don't do supplements and do all the other things. It's it, yes, they all work great together, but the other thing, the supplements won't work if you're not sleeping or eating right. Like it, let's say you're trying to kill bugs in the gut and you're eating cake every day. Do you think that the supplements that you just spent $500 on are going to work? No, <laughs> they're not. It and, all has yeah. to go together. And especially when, you know, when, people are like, you know, wellness is for the elite, wellness is expensive, being healthy is so expensive. And I'm like, yes, but are you engaging in free wellness? Like, are you deep breathing? Are you meditating? Do you go outside? Are you sleeping? Like, all of these things cost zero dollars. Mm -hmm. Are you are you doing those first yeah, and foremost? Exactly. Are you saying no to things you don't want to do? Are you laughing enough? I mean, it's like, literally, those things are all free. And they really, really, really matter. How, you know, they your your health is greatly dependent on those. So important. Um, you had said that you wanted to talk a little bit about medication, and I'd like to hear more about that. I've had I have some people that they have been on medication, thyroid medication for years, and their goal is to get off of it. It's and everyone's I goal. And is that like a reasonable goal? Do you think we've just put this stigma or on yeah. medication? I think it's it's not um, the right goal. I think that as far as medications go, it's their thyroid medication is one of the most benign. So I think that your goal should be to get as healthy as possible to maybe where your body needs the least amount and um, you can get thyroid medication very clean. You can get it compounded. I mean, you can, there's many ways you can do it. But um, I think that people think, feel bad for taking thyroid medication and you should feel worse for not taking it if you need it. Because not having enough thyroid hormone is, is the worst thing you can do, not taking thyroid hormone. So what I would say is work with someone who will prescribe you a clean version. I like the natural desiccated um, where it's T4 and T3 because I think a lot of people have conversion issues where they can't get their T3 levels high enough because they're not converting T4 to T3. So that's why sometimes they don't do well on something like Synthroid because it's just a T4. So those people would do better if they switch to a natural desiccated T4, T3. Um, I really liked Nature Thrive, but that ha started having problems. So um, a lot of people will get armor or NP or WP and just get it compounded. And it's so, so clean at that point. And like I said, I've been on it a couple times in my life and I don't feel bad about that. And I would go on it again if I needed to. It's, it's just that you, you can't only do that. I was on something for a year and a half and it was, and it was a very small dose. I mean, my naturopath kind of chuckled. She's like, if any conventional doctor 
saw this, they would laugh because it's almost like a homeopathic dose at this point. But it was the thing that like turned the lights on for yeah. me. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is how it feels. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is, is how it feels to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was able to get off it. Not that that was my goal, but I'm like, hey, let me just experiment getting off of it. The first time didn't go so well. The second time I felt super normal. So right. for whatever reason, it just got me through, you know, got me through some things and it was it was really, really, really helpful. Now you had said in, so you have three boys. Um, did you find that your um, Hashi's flared during the postpartum period or? With did... one of them. Okay. The others it didn't, but it was because with my first pregnancy, I was l- more unhealthy than I was with this, the other two. Um, you know, lifestyle, diet, that type of thing. And I was still pretty good with the first, but um, I just was like the way I eat now and I ran the whole pregnancy and, you know, just did things a little bit differently. And so I was fine. I mean, I didn't have any issues, but for, for most people, pregnancy is a huge Hashi trigger. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's pretty common. This is my understanding. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it, I, I, I've heard that it can be common for TPO antibodies to spike, even if you, yeah. What what is that? Is it just the shift in the immune system? Yeah, it's a shift in the immune system, and you tend to get a little bit more inflamed um, when you're pregnant a lot of the time. And since Hashimoto's is inflammatory, I think that's the biggest reason. And then it usually calms down after. You know, a couple months after you have the baby, you, you tend, for some people, you'll go back to where you were. If you actually had it or if you had not, no thyroid issue, you can go into... Some people will go into hyperthyroid and then go into hypo, and then it just completely goes away after a year. It's kind of all different things can go on, but it's just a very big trigger. And what would be the best things to do is just to support the immune system to support yeah, the Yeah, support the immune system, get a, you know, again, sleeping, um, eating. I, I can't stress this enough that when you're pregnant is when you should be eating the healthiest, and I think people do it the opposite. And they're like, well, I'm kind of, I think it's like the weight gain thing. They're like, well, I'm gaining weight anyways, so I'm just going to, you know, eat what I want. And then yeah. I'll get skinny after because that's kind of how this world is driven by weight. Right. Um, but it should be more like, okay, I'm growing a person in my body. I should eat really healthy <laughs> um, because everything I'm eating, they're eating. And that's kind of how I saw it and how I really encourage the people that I work with to look at it. And you're going to recover so much quicker. Their baby's going to be healthier. You're going to feel better after. You're going to have a better labor. You're going to have a better pregnancy. So food. Food is definitely key. And you had said something about hyperthyroid. And I feel like we don't – this is actually a question that came in because we don't really hear about it nearly as much as hypo. Mm Mm-hmm. Do the same principles apply? Everything that we you just talked about, do, does all of that apply to hyperthyroid as well? It does. It's the same. It's just your body's speeding up instead of slowing down. And people always say, is this a book only for Hashimoto's? And I'm like, no, it's for any thyroid issue. And I actually originally had the title as the a Hashimoto's title, and I changed it to thyroid because it, it it's all the same. If you have hyperthyroidism, you still want to, you know, focus on the same types of things. If you have Graves' disease, it's the the autoimmune disease that causes hyperthyroidism, just like Hashimoto's causes hypo. 
it's it's all the immune system. So it's you're still working on it the same way. You're just going to have different symptoms. Okay, that's an, that's important to drive home. I think you had um, talked about the conversion con- converting people having trouble converting T four into active thyroid hormone T3. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Why do you think this is so common? What 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 causes that issue? Well, the conversion happens mostly in the gut and like the liver. So this is another reason I always start people off with liver support. And I find that even just doing liver support, a lot of people will get a better conversion. And if not, after we work on the gut, then their T3 will go way up. And some people don't have hypothyroidism. They just have low T3 syndrome, which is because of their gut or their liver. And then if they if you fix that, then you your T3 will go into normal ranges and your thyroid numbers are fine. So, um, but, you know, that's why a lot of times going back to the medication, if you need the medication and you need a T4 and a T3, it can take a while to heal the gut. So it's okay to take that, heal the gut, and then see what happens. If you tend to be where you get better at that point and don't need medication, that's great. But if you might also have to stay on it, and that's okay too. And do you sometimes find it's like kind of like a chicken egg situation mm-hmm. because sometimes it can be hard to appropriately heal the gut and get that motility going. And um, if there's if there is an underlying thyroid problem, yeah, I know it's true. Um, um, sorry, go ahead. It's I I find mostly once I get the gut healed, and if I have to use stuff to make help them go to the bathroom, I will. Um, and I start with magnesium. I mean, it's not like rocket science. It's, it can be pretty easy. Um, and some people need other stuff that I'll use. But I try to just make sure they're going to the bathroom. And then once their gut is, if as long as you're getting it out, you can pretty much usually heal the gut. I always do post-testing and make sure everything's gone. And I just see their health, their thyroid health getting a lot better at that point. It's usually where they they don't have, because I'm sure you see this too, like people come in and their numbers are going up and down and up and down and their doctor's chasing that number with their meds, but they're not addressing what could be triggering their Hashimoto's and with Hashimoto's your numbers can go up and down. So if you can get the immune system, you know, it's, people will say you can reverse Hashimoto's, but if you can get the, the immune system to function better because your gut's healthier, your body will stop attacking itself the way that it was at the thyroid gland, and then your numbers should stabilize. So that's that's kind of the picture that I see a lot. Okay, that is so helpful. And it's also hopeful, too, for people mm-hmm. who just feel like they're stuck in this, will I ever get better? Now, you had said, you had talked about reversing Hashimoto's. Is Can you do that? Can you cure Hashimoto's and what's the difference? I mean, with autoimmunity, it's really, I think, more about getting things into remission. So what's the difference between remission and a cure? I would never say cure. I I don't think I've ever used that word because it's just negligent too. Um, But you can get it to where your symptoms, what I focus on is getting them to feel better so when I know someone's in, you know, remission where they're, everything's kind of more lying dormant than real active, um, they're losing weight or whatever, they're, you know, losing weight, their hair stops falling out, they're not fatigued anymore, whatever their symptoms were, 
Um, I think that's the main goal. And then, like I said, they'll, they'll typically balance out where their numbers just stay good, whether it's with or without medication. So you can, it's, you know, with epigenetics, you can actually change the way the gene behaves, but you can't get rid of it. So I would never say, oh, I don't have Hashimoto's anymore, but you can, you can get it more into remission than actually curing it. Absolutely. Um, that's, yeah, that's pretty much exactly how I feel about the auto, my autoimmune disease. It's like it's in remission, but it's never going to go away. It's, and it's, in fact, it's something that kind of keeps me on my toes and makes sure that I'm taking care of myself. Exactly. And the good thing is that if you work with someone who knows what they're doing, they set you up. So if you do have another flare-up, let's call it, you know what to do. So you're at least, it's like you get this bag of tools. You're like, okay, I'm going to open my bag of tools and let's see if, if this is happening this time or whatever. Some people get reinfected or some people's Epstein-Barr flares up or whatever it is. Some people are exposed to mold or, you know, whatever it was. But if you keep the lifestyle stuff constantly going, your body's going to respond way better to any of those interruptions than it would without it. That's awesome. Um, that is so so true i found that to be true for my own health um and i love how you you really talk about looking at symptoms and looking how at the person is feeling versus chasing blood markers because mm -hmm. i mean couldn't you couldn't you potentially have you know maybe you, you you bring your antibody levels down but they're still technically elevated but you could be feeling perfectly fine right yeah and i the think being so tied to to exactly what your labs are doing can sometimes be problematic for people. Especially with the antibodies. The antibodies go up and down, up and down, up and they don't, just because they're down doesn't mean you're better and because they're up doesn't mean you're bad. Having them no, lets us know you have Hashimoto's, but some practitioners put everything into the number of the, the TPO antibodies and I'm like, that's ridiculous because they fluctuate so much. I tend to follow what Dr. Krasian says on that. I think he is one of the smartest people I've ever um, studied under. And, you know, he really, really stresses that. So I always follow that. He's amazing. He is amazing. <laughs> I have such a crush on him. It's I weird. Sure he's like your, like your professor crush, not, exactly. like, your, not like the, the other way. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been super, super helpful. I just want to close out with one question. So we're going to, that guide that you talked about, thank you so much for creating that because it's so necessary for people to have something to read it over, to have a good understanding, something to take to their physician and say, please test me for this. And then to have the, the values as well. What if somebody's physician, and I say this because this happens all the time, mm -hmm. refuses <laughs> to do the full panel. What advice do you have for people? Get another doctor. Okay. Because yeah. your doctor should be helping you. You know what I mean? And they don't, and I understand like the problem is, is, is the doctors are, are upset because people are Googling and then going in there as if they know more than the doctor. And I think that kind of gets the ego bruised, but Sometimes they're wrong, you know, people going in, what they're saying is wrong, but sometimes they're right. And sometimes the doctor doesn't even know what the patient's talking about and the patient knows more. So yeah. I think that um, I, if you go to a general practitioner and you say, I need my reverse T3 tested, they may not even understand why. 
So they're going to get defensive about it, and they're not going to say, well, that's ridiculous. You don't need that. The same way they also tell you diet has nothing to do with your thyroid. So there's plenty of amazing doctors out there who won't treat you like that. And there's luckily a lot of virtual doctors, which is why I do everything virtually, if you can't find someone near you. So there's, there's plenty of resources of people who will help you without making you, you know, feel ridiculous for asking for thorough testing. Absolutely. So thank you for saying that. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to link to all of your stuff um, in the show notes, but do you just want to let people know where they can find more of you? Yeah. So my website is drbeckycampbell.com and I write a ton of articles. I put out recipes, um, you know, thyroid and then other, other things too I write about. And then I'm bigger on Instagram than I am Facebook these days. So just at drbeckycampbell. But I also do have a thyroid support with Dr. Becky on Facebook. You can join too. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, This is going to be so helpful for people. I just know it. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Take care of you.